Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back once again to Hollywood RX. The doctors are in. Doctors D and G, that is. How are you, Dr. D? Uh, not only am I great, but the 12-year-old inside of me is also great. Oh, boy. Well, folks, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you may have guessed on deck tonight, we have Solo, the latest Star Wars story. Appealing Sorry. to the 12-year-olds in all of us. Well, I guess we know where Dr. D stands on this one. I'll just say in a quick little summation, I had a good time while I was watching it, but I wasn't incredibly impressed with any particular aspect of it. I sort of understand why the box office has been a little lackluster, but... Uh, now I would like to talk to the 12-year-old Dr. D. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to put on a voice. For a second, I thought I'll put on a voice, and then I thought, no, nah, it's not going to work. It's going to go nowhere and just sound, just be creepy. And we'd have to start over again. <laughs> right. <laughs> a peek behind the curtain. I enjoyed myself. I mean, the 12-year-old me could have been in a bad mood about it, but um, like, he, like he was with regards to the first uh, pre the prequels. But um, I, had a f I had a fine time. I, I enjoyed myself, but not as an adult, really, in a sense. And as opposed to Rogue One, where both the 12-year-old and the adult in me felt entertained. That's interesting, because I definitely liked this better than Rogue One. Ooh, okay. Well, then we'll have to break that open a little bit. Okay. But that's, that's kind of enough for me. I will also just add that this, I feel this as a parent and as a, as a husband sometimes, but it, it may very well be true with you know anybody who's at a movie with somebody that they know and care about, that a certain percentage of my attitude towards a film is added to when I'm with my kids and they're having a hoot of a time, or my wife, we're at a horror movie and she's you know sure. grabbing me and cringing. Um, even if the movie is bad, I get a certain amount of pleasure additional pleasure that the movie can't really be, you know, claimed for their own. So I would say I had a good 15% added to my experience hmm. because my kids were having such, so much fun. And okay. I will refer to them several more times during the course of this. All right. <clears throat> Fair warning. Well, so and I, who have no me. such children, <laughs> yes, nor did I see it with my wife. Um, yeah, I oh. thought, I, I thought this was okay. I, felt like the story could have taken a few other turns. Frankly, I feel like Donald Glover stole the show. And oh, yes. yes. Wait, waiting for the Lando Calrissian movie. Uh, that would be pretty cool. I would be kind of shocked if they did it. Not because I don't think he could carry the movie, but because he, in the sort of Star Wars lineup, is... You know, he's certainly not tertiary, but he's he's probably a secondary character as opposed to, you know, any of those main five or six. Right. Um, but that certainly but, didn't stop them from, I mean, yeah, but at least <laughs> but at least they've got now a little something to work with with him true. as opposed true. to Rogue One, where it was just a whole fresh slate of characters. <laughs> right. And, and all of them, none of them could come back. Thank goodness. 
Oh no! You bastard. Yes, he, he definitely was delightful every time he appeared on screen. Um, and he brought so much charm and so much sort of brightness to everything. Yeah, I thought he was absolutely terrific. And what they gave him to do was just enough, just right. Considering um, that, yeah, that it's not like the Han and Lando story. Right, right. Well, as much as they may have tried. Yeah, but not as much as they could have. I mean, the two of them could yeah, have true. a whole adventure right. of their own. And I think that would make for a, a good time. I agree. I agree. I agree. I liked uh, I liked uh, how how when when Han met met Chewie, I liked that. Mm-hmm. I liked the set piece on the the train. Oh, absolutely! That was that set piece was not really something I would have even expected from sort of from Ron Howard. Uh no, not at all. Oh, no, all, all the that's... scenes of people sitting in a room and talking—that's what I would expect <laughs> from Ron Howard. Oh my God. Um, but come on, I mean, he directed Night Shift, right? Yes, he did. And uh, now he's directing a fucking Star Wars movie. I mean, it wasn't bad in yeah, this. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, he's yeah, come yeah. a long way. But okay. yes, yes, you're right. I mean, I mean, the scenes in the scenes in Apollo 13 are still just scenes of people sitting around talking, even though they're in a space capsule, uh, you know, hurtling around the moon or whatever. So you you do have a point. Those aren't exactly action sequences as such. Well, I was also th- I mean, I was, I mean I, the whole time I was watching it, I was trying to think how like who made the leap to think okay, we need to bring in someone quick to fix this thing. I got it, Ron Howard. I'm trying to think like what what propelled that, and the only thing I can think of is because he did those uh, <laughs> the the Da Vinci Code movies. Oh. Which I haven't seen, but I'm guessing have some, at least the last one, has some effects in it going on, maybe? Yeah, you're right. They have they have action scenes in them, definitely. Because this is, um, this is know, beyond most of what he's done, really. Absolutely. He doesn't absolutely. do no, your, action your set comment, Your comment was a fair one. Your comment was a fair one, even though I didn't take it gracefully. Uh, but here's the thing is I feel like he's a journeyman director in a sense. Like he's can kind of step in and do, I don't know. I feel like he could make a horror movie. I just don't feel like he shows enough the deafness with what he's doing, regardless of whether or not the end product is something that we're thrilled about. True. I mean, it's been a while since I went, Oh yeah, Ron Howard movie. And honestly, this is a kind of a project where, they keep saying, oh, we want to bring in fresh blood and have directors with new attitudes infuse whatever into the Star Wars, blah, blah. No, you don't. Stop it, as far as I'm concerned. Really? We don't need to, re- we don't need to reinvent what Star Wars gives us. Just give us, give us more. Not, that does not mean, that does not mean give us constant references to old versions. I mean, as much as, I, as, much as the 12-year-old in me loved uh, The Force Awakens... The adult in me didn't have a tremendous amount of respect for the fact that it was essentially a retelling of of New Hope. Right. That's how I felt, too. However, I did really like The Last Jedi. And if that's an example of the new blood they want to put into the series, I'm all for it. You see, that's so funny because to me, the, uh, the Last Jedi is like poison to this... I hated Last Jedi. Did we never talk about Last Jedi? I guess am I am I not remembering the episode? Didn't we? I did. Did you hate it? I don't remember you hated it. 
Uh, I didn't hate it as much as my kids do. This is not how I thought I'd be referencing them, but wow. they are—they are livid with their uh, upsetness about it. And I'm fairly look. They took in Force Awakens. They introduced us to a bunch of new characters. I liked Finn. I liked Ray. I liked you know uh, uh, Oscar Isaac's. I can't remember the name of his character. Um. A bunch of new characters who I liked as individuals. I liked them in various groupings. Together, they all had great energy and dynamic. And I said, right on. This is cool. They didn't have to kill off any of them. They left them all alive. They killed off some of the older ones, which is fine with me. And then in the second movie, they said, now let's take all these people that have this great chemistry together and throw them to the far ends of the, of the universe and have them not interact with each other. In fact, let's add some new characters who I didn't happen to particularly like that uh, actress that went on the adventure with Finn to find, you know, ultimately, I guess it was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Benicio Del Toro, but for a second it looked like it was going to be Thoreau. What's his name? Justin Thoreau. Justin Thoreau, yeah. <clears throat> That's who they were supposed to get, but they get some sort of other used up guy if I'm remembering my Star Wars movies correctly. So yeah. I felt like um, it was almost the antithesis of fan service. Interesting. Um, that movie. And I I was definitely ready to say goodbye to uh, Han Solo in The Force Awakens. I was yeah. not ready. I was not ready. It didn't feel like they earned my needing to say goodbye to uh, to Luke. Hmm. Uh, uh, making me suspicious that he's not really gone somehow. That there'll be some twisted explanation of how what they showed me wasn't really what was happening. Well, I I, I think all they really would need to do is uh, bring him back as a spirit force, like they did Obi Wan Kenobi, just sort of yeah, a little that, that always felt ghostly apparition. You know, I was I was more <laughs> incensed. I was more incensed in yeah. Last Jedi by the reappearance of Yoda. That oh, to yeah, me he, felt yes, completely yes. gratuitous. Yes. But that was among the many things that I did not like about that movie, but definitely high among them. Leia, Princess Leia flying through space. With oh yeah, no, everyone hates that. Everyone it's it's a <laughs> <So>. universal hatred. <laughs> uh like I feel like just getting back to the movie at hand, Solo. Yes. I, I feel like they have six or eight or whatever it is, really solid sequences. Not just action sequences, but kind of chunks. Yeah. That are well executed and are entertaining and essentially connect to the next bit. But there wasn't necessarily like a sense of flow through a story to me. No, there was not. It felt like moving on to the next part. Correct. I feel the same way. And sometimes those parts felt like they were designed to be a video game. That train sequence, which I really like, feels a lot like a video game, like it would be an awesome game level. Yeah. Um, and this, this is a time-honored tradition going back to uh, Phantom Menace with the pod racing. Or, uh, or um, what is it, Empire Strikes Back with the forest chase? Yeah, but when he did the Forest Chase video games, it weren't part of his franchising mind. Okay, true, 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 true. It would adapt for that nicely, but definitely that pod race stuff is there so that he could then turn it. That it could be turned into games. I think less about what really anyone cares about. 
So I, so just to talk about some of the other actors, Lando, of course, we got to talk about Aaron, Alden Ehrenreich at some point. Um, yeah. He, he grew, no, well, no, to be honest, he grew on me as the movie went on. I could see okay. why they cast him. He definitely, he definitely has just enough resemblance there that you could buy him as an early 20s Han Solo. Mm-hmm. But I felt like he really, ha- I felt like he didn't have very much range. He was kind of in the same, the same groove the whole time. Right. And I think I would have liked to have seen a side of Han Solo that wasn't always slick and confident and the Han Solo we know. Right, right. Apparently we meet him and he's 16 or 17 years old and he already seems to be very cocky and full of himself. So maybe you yeah. had to go back and, and meet him at nine. Right. Uh, not that I would be in, into that uh, into that journey. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good point. Um, um, and and also, and this is this is a real little nitpicky point, but yeah, I didn't like that the Imperial Guard gave him the name Solo. I wish uh, he had come up with it. Uh, well, that's uh, yeah, that would be better. Uh, a few other things that would be better if the Imperial Guard didn't make such a meal out of coming up with it. Mm, yeah. As, as though this was the only person who never gave a last name. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe it was that guy's first day. Maybe it should have said Imperial Guard in training on his little uh, ID card, and then we would have known that he had never encountered this before. Or, 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 there was the, or there was the older, more experienced Imperial Guard standing over him, who he's been shadowing yeah. all day. Right. Just call him Solo. And then the kind of knowing look that if you remove from their world, the fact that he will ultimately become the Han Solo. Aaron Wright gives this look in response to that, like, oh, yeah, I like the sound of that. Hmm. Um, I guess that's to justify the fact that he continues to be called that for the rest that of his life. That he uses it for movie. the rest of his life, yeah. For the rest of his life. But, no, that's, um, th- th- yes, you're absolutely right. It would have been way better if he'd come up with it himself. Oh, my God, now I'm getting so angry. Oh, no. Why did you do this to me? No, it's all right. Well, come back, 12-year-old. Um, <laughs> come back. Yes, I'm with you there. But So, I mean, he, I mean, he did fine. You know, he, he, he did fine, but I don't think that he was really asked to do much else, and it would have been nice to see him a little more human, a little less... I absolutely agree with that, that take. Or just a little bit more of the scramble in his mind rather than sort of always seeming to know what Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. To see him figuring things out, not just mm-hmm. have the confidence it's going to go the way he's got it going in his head. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's the thing. Here is a couple of things. The point at which any actor, but particularly for me, Harrison Ford, became less interesting. No, this isn't fair. I was going to say once you have once you expand a, a sidekick to a to a feature length and they have to carry a story, it, the demand on that actor and on that character is different. Now obviously Harrison Ford gracefully handled that when he moved from Han Solo to Indiana Jones. Yes. <clears throat> but after he left those two franchises largely behind him 
his movies were not nearly as much fun or nearly as interesting. I mean, I think part of it was he didn't want to have to play that the charming rogue for the rest of his life in a variety of different, you know, costumes. And mission accomplished on that one. Yeah, so he became the dullest drudge in a series of suits. Mm-hmm. You know? I would say for a couple of instances, like uh, what's the one uh, with the one-armed man and the... Oh, the, the, the Fugitive. Thing. Yeah, The Fugitive. Yeah. So Or Witness. <laughs> Witness too, yeah. You know what? Yeah, you're right. But at a certain point, he just stopped. He just started falling it all in. Oh yeah, no, no. I think it started around presumed innocent time. That's when yeah, I. That's, that's when I. I that's completely. the first time I noticed him <laughs> just being like a sleepwalker in a movie. Yeah, very good, very good. So there's a little bit of a, you know, he's got a tough job to sort of keep the whole train going. That I'm going to give him a little bit of a discount on. And I did. I did feel the way you did. I thought there were probably. Maybe not quite half a dozen lines and maybe not quite half a dozen times where he either looked startling like he Lee, like he could be a younger version. Mm-hmm. Um, notably notably some of the angles <clears throat> when he's on the Falcon in the in that cockpit, when he's in that super familiar setting. Right. Um, and and a couple of lines like uh, you know, when uh, Woody Harrelson apologizes for punching him in the face. You're in a giant wide shot at this point. And Solo says, uh, you'd be surprised how often that happens. Hmm. Or there was a there was a point at which he had a line when they were trying to get through the checkpoints and get away together in the beginning where he had a, a line that was like a line that was written for Harrison Ford to say kind of a thing, for Han, to come out of the mouth right. of Han Solo slash Harrison Ford. And he wasn't doing an imitation but he gave it the rhythm and the attitude, yeah. Without vocally, without vocally imitating, imitating him, yeah. That made me go, I see how that guy who could say that this way would have become the guy who says the similar things another way. Yes, and I'm not even talking about. I got a good feeling about this, which I wasn't uh, a big fan of. There was a little too. There was almost way too much sort of fan service going on here for me I'm not even sure if you know what I'm talking about but you will expand in um in uh, a new hope I think it's a new hope but possibly it's uh it's uh Empire Strikes Back Han Solo says I've got a bad feeling about this and so in this one they get a plan together and they're in the middle of doing it whatever it might be you know traveling through the right when they're on we're on like they're on the Kessel Run or whatever traveling through that he says i've got a good feeling about this and then it does go well it should probably go poorly as a counterpoint to his i've got a good feeling about this right but instead it goes it goes well so um so there was something there was there were there was there was a ton this thing is jammed with easter eggs like i've never seen and i would see something and go oh well that's something but not know what it was a reference to just know that it was a reference but another example, which I didn't dislike quite as much, is um, at one point they're sitting around a campfire and they're chatting and uh, Woody Harrelson, whose character name was Beckett, yeah, Tobias Beckett, is breaking down a, a soldier's sniper rifle that he had picked up in the previous sequence when they were in with that military, you know, embedded with the military group. Okay. 
and he breaks it, he's breaking it down in, in, in a way that you might go, oh, he's taking it apart to clean it, or he's taking it apart to put it away, or whatever it is. And when he's done with it, he has t- stripped off the butt, and he's stripped off the barrel, and all these other things, and he hands to Han Solo what remains, and essentially gives him what will what is the iconic Han Solo gun. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. And so, instead, you know, so so in moments like that, instead of just letting it be... The camera would hold on that gun for 1.5 seconds longer than it needed to. Hmm. There were just a couple places where it did a little bit of ham-fisted holding on something. Like in the beginning, I didn't recognize the, the the dice that kept getting passed back and forth, but my kids were like, oh my god, those are his lucky dice. Oh, 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 wow, this is amazing. It's wonderful. Um, but in the very beginning, there were like several gratuitous shots of the, the dice just dangling from the thing. And then he takes the dice from the windshield, you know, from the rearview mirror. And then right. He gives the dice to her and then she opens her hand a little later on and we see the dice are still in her hand, you know. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm exhausted from tracking what's happening with these dice. That there was a little bit too much of that kind of, A, not trusting that we get it, and and B, just not trusting that they're doing it right or whatever. So those were a couple of examples, but there were all sorts of instances. Like at one point, somebody said, maybe instead of working with these losers, maybe we should give Bosk a call. Well, Bosk, B-O-S-S-K, I think is how it's spelled, is a character that's referenced in one of the other original trilogy movies somewhere hmm. in there, who is a bounty hunter sort of person or whatever. There was just lots of throwaway stuff. At one point, somebody asks Amelia Clark where she learned to fight, and she says that Beckett, no, not Beckett, but uh, Peter, no, not Who's her boss with the face? Paul Bettany. Oh, um... Ty something? Voss or Dross or... Something, yeah, yeah. I have it here somewhere, but... um, DeVos. And she said... He says that he... She says that he taught her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she she names the style of fighting that she's using. Well, the style of fighting that she's using is a reference to a video game... That was kind of like Mortal Kombat, but had but had Star Wars characters, and hmm. they they fought in a certain style in that game, and so there's just lots of you know references to other films and canon and things that take place even in cart- in the cartoons and so on and so forth. And her boss's hideout, that like room where the the knife fight happened and everything, mm-hmm. in the background of that, there's all kinds of stuff. There's a crystal skull in there. There's a, what appears to be Boba Fett's armor is in there. Oh, no kidding. In the background of that, there's there's all kinds of, you know, goodies laid out for the, you know, keen-eyed, quick-minded among us to find, most of which I missed, but my kids found all of it and were squealing with delight about it. Well, good for so, your kids. <laughs> right. So they're getting, they're getting a certain amount of their pleasure from that, where I'm getting a certain amount of my displeasure from that and i think in the end the filmmakers were right to gamble on the youngsters because the youngsters are the people who are going to keep the thing going that's right down the road it certainly isn't Um, going to be old men like us (laughs) no galaxy for Uh, old men (laughs) true enough true enough that's funny speaking of woody harrelson nicely played yes okay so we're woody harrelson he's yeah, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, you know, to me, he was practically the same character he was in the Hunger Games movies. Okay. And 
Eh, I'd like to see him do other things, I think. I agree. I When I heard he was in this, I cringed because of the Hunger Games. But I think there's also some other things he's done that were Hunger Games similar. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. Maybe the Now You See Me franchise. Shocking that it's a franchise. Yes, it is. But, you know, I... Listen, I thought he was serviceable. He didn't make me cringe in it. I was really dreading whatever he was going to do here. That's true. Yeah, no, no, no. He, he didn't have any moments that were played for cheap laughs, like in Hunger Games. I'll give you that. Right. Yeah. But, you know, recently he's done, he did three billboards outside, you know, Ebbing, Missouri, whatever. And he's been in some super great, oh, I know the one that he was making me cringe in was the Planet of the Apes. Oh. That's this very big, he's sort of trying to out-Brando, Brando sort of. And the war, war for the Planet of the Apes. He's he's the Colonel ah. in that. So I knew I knew he was in another franchise that kind of bumped me out. But yeah, he can do. He's, he's I love him in Zombieland, uh, Seven Psychopaths. I enjoyed him. On and on. I'm trying to think of other things I've seen him in lately where it really hit me. But other than you know Three Billboards, and he's got stuff coming up where I'm sure he's going to be. Yeah. So he uh, was good. fine. Thandy so Newton fine. was fine. Paul Bettany was fine. Everyone was okay. Yeah. No one. I like Thandy Newton a lot. I wish that she had been able to stay in it longer, but it didn't bother me terribly when she went. I thought his little gang was kind of cool. I didn't like the monkey sidekick, pilot sidekick. No, I didn't. Well, I didn't like uh, L3, the robot oh, sidekick. Well, then you were in a lot worse shape, weren't you? Because you had to put up with that for a long time. Yes, I did. Uh, I liked her, I liked it okay, but then I was just like, "Can we stop this now?" And then that's about when they stopped it. Uh, yeah, it just it, it it did feel like it went on a little too long, and you know, I feel like all these little spinoffs and sequels are starting to they're starting to draw upon a little pattern that's disconcerting to me. Like, do we have to have an oppressed group really freed in every one of these now? <laughs> Well, you know, that's so funny. Do, does everyone Wednesday, have to meet each other at a cantina with gambling going on? I mean, I've, yes, I've really yes. had enough of that. Okay. Um, that's funny. But going back to the, do we always have to have an oppressed group getting free? Thandie Newton is one of the rebel fighting, uh, rebel fighters in uh, HBO's Westworld. She is playing the, the a robot who, who becomes self-aware and is one of two or three that are leading a, a revolt. Mm. So it's just funny that you should mention that because she's already doing it. I see her for free doing that. And she does a really solid job on, on Westworld. So I think that's part of why she ended up in this. I really like the Paul Bettany character. For a villain, he wasn't too far over the top for me. I no. love that effect, on, that effect on his face where when he got more emotional, his... His scarring Stuff or whatever worse. that was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. And he definitely seemed uh, dangerous. That was the voice of John Favreau, by the way, playing that pilot monkey. Uh-huh. That sounded... It, it, from the first second I heard it, it sounded a little bit too much like... It reminded me too much of uh, Rocket Raccoon, Raccoon from the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Ah, uh, okay. You know, which is... Who's is that the Cooper? Handsome, the, yeah, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Um, I just felt like it was a 
kind of a, a creatively bereft choice. Did you recognize Linda had. Hunt as that tall thing <laughs> in the beginning? No, I, I knew she was in it somewhere as a voice. I looked it up subsequently. I love the fact it's the tallest character she's ever played, easily. Uh, yes. <laughs> Given that most of her characters are Hobbit-sized. <laughs> so we've, <laughs> we've covered Donald Glover. Where do you, and some of these other actors, Amelia Clark I basically just know from, from uh, Game of Thrones, where I think she does a really solid job, but I don't really think she's an actress that has yet showed us that she can play multiple layers. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen her, because I, I haven't seen the Game of Thrones, so... Okay. I mean, she's done a bunch of uh, smaller films, I think, in, in since doing the show. You know, she had a little bit more... She's a little bit more under her belt than that, but she's sometimes not even recognizable to me, because the Game of Thrones stuff is, is, is all sort of put on. That's not her hair color, it's not her, you know, right. her style and, and all of that. I think the uh, you you mentioned that other robot, and it's funny because I would never have been able to pull the what it was called the you know the new the La- new robot Lady Three PO. <laughs> Lady Three PO is an actress called Phoebe Waller Bridge, British. I think. Oh, why actress. is that? What that name's familiar to me? Done a bunch of TV. I'm looking at it. She's in a show called Fleabag, a show called Crashing. She was in Broadchurch. Uh, something called The Cafe, and then a ton of little movies. She was in The hmm. Iron Lady, which wasn't that small of a movie. So you may have run across her. She's got a fair, what does it look like? It's uh, 20-some-odd credits. Hmm. Oh, L337. L337 or Lady 3PO, yes. Uh, oh, and she's going to be in the upcoming Goodbye, Christopher Robin, which is one I am um, one I am interested in. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway... I just uh, didn't want to give her short shrift by referring to her only by her robot, <laughs> by the demeaning robot name that we had for her when she was such a such a powerhouse. And to hunt. Yeah, okay, I mean, I I, have, yeah. Well, no, I was just gonna say for all the all the stuff with her character, I didn't care for like freeing the droids, the captive droids, yeah. and whatnot. I did like when she was. I think when she I think it was, think it was when she was mortally wounded, and she said something like "Don't tell Lando because he's got a crush on me" or something. Oh right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, she has a scene with um, she has a scene with Amelia Clark where she, <laughs> Lady Three PO, is is saying to Amelia, "You know that guy is he's in love with you." She's like, "What are you talking about?" Meaning she's referring to uh, um, oh Han Solo, yeah. And, and she's like, believe me, I know. I've been in a situation like this before. You know, Lando's in love with me. Right. But it's not it's not reciprocated. I like the idea of, of Han Solo <laughs> having a great lost love. Yes, yes, from, I do too. You know, a long time ago. Um, right. It seemed to me a little bit of a stretch to think that after three years, he could still come back with that mineral coaxium or whatever and get her free or am i misremembering uh, well i mean i don't even think it matters what he he just wanted to get his own ship and go back and get her however it was he got that ship okay, i don't right, think he right right yeah he yeah, didn't yeah. have that material any longer necessarily right no you're right you're right anyway i had i had warned you 
I saw this before you, and then and then I said, listen, there's one part of it. I didn't tell you whether I liked it or not, but I told you there was one part of it that completely pulled me out of the movie and that I absolutely hated, and that you you were going to be on the lookout for it. I don't know if you even remembered when you No, I did it. not remember it. Do you I'm, have any idea what that was? My my mind's going through, racing through the Rolodex of scenes right now. What did he hate? What did he hate? Oh, man. Nah, I'm drawing a blank. If well, we haven't if we haven't covered it yet, then I'm <laughs> no, we haven't. When we first meet Lady C three C three PO, she is objecting to uh, a cage match uh, between yes robots, uh, similar to a TV show that's on here now. So we could all really relate to that. And there is someone in the cage with those robots, I guess, acting as a referee. I don't know exactly what. And eventually he pops out into a, you hear his voice a couple times, and then he pops out into a great big close-up, and it's Clint Howard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I immediately go, oh, jeez. That was worse than any reference to another Star Wars movie that could ever be made. Yeah, I guess, I guess we know what it's... scene didn't get left in from the original director. <laughs> uh, right, that's why they got... And they got fired. <laughs> they wouldn't put Clint Howard in. Uh, and we should probably mention those guys, but I honestly don't know what their names are. They did uh, They did a couple other movies. I can't think of what those were. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not even really hip to the controversy. Why were they canned? <sighs> it all seems really weird to me, but maybe I can... Hold on, I can get the info right here somewhere. Ultimately, it was Kathleen Kennedy who gave them the boot. Uh, after shooting, I mean, different reports. Oh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Now, were they were a team the before? Who, they were a team before. I'll click on them in a, in a second. But it says, although originally brought on board to complete the film. Oh, this is a reference to, what's his name? He, he reshot 80% of the movie. Ron Howard did. Okay. Uh, so some places say they, they, they were only they were only five or six weeks into it, and some sources I hear say that it was essentially almost done, which is uh, terrifying to hear. Oh, you know what's one thing that uh, I don't know if this really counts as it doesn't really count as a flaw, but I find it to be yeah. a little bit of an oddity. Was when Han, when Han meets Chewie. Yes. Han speaks a little wookie. <laughs> Which, correct me if I'm wrong, Harrison Ford never does in any of the Star Wars movies. That is correct. But somewhere along the way, Chewie's learned English. No. No, no, no. Yeah. First of all... Yeah. When, when no, no, Han... no, no, no. In the, in the original okay. trilogy, yeah. he, Chewie understands things being said to him in English. Yes. I'm going to explain it. Please do. If, you, if you'll have a moment, you may not like the explanation or be satisfied by it. But first Probably of all, not. in this in this movie, Chewie is 190 years old. He already knows English. He's he's killed many people who spoke English to him in the past. The reason he doesn't kill Han Solo is Han Solo is the first person who speaks to him in Wookiee. And that catches his attention. So the implication is, I think... Chewie is fully capable of understanding anything anybody says to him in English, but they are not capable of understanding him. And so, if anything, it's not it's not 
it's not the Wookiee who learned English. It's that Han got better and better at understanding Wookiee. But already spoke a little when they first met. All right. I'll buy that. Um, yeah, no, I go through it too because I'm like, wouldn't they do this? Wouldn't they talk to each other in Wookiee and the other episodes we see them in together? And then I decided, well, uh, they had need to talk in, in Wookiee in that instance so that the guards could not hear them making a plan. And, and clearly, uh, Han is speaking, speaking in broken English. Or broken Wookiee, as the case might be. So, um, you know, make big fight, pretend. You know, that's his, that sort right. of thing uh, is what was showing up. So, and if they got to a point where one of them, you know, I just think it would be kind of, I would be thinking kind of cool if I was watching two characters in a movie and one of them only spoke German and one of them only spoke French. Uh, I'm sorry, each of them spoke French and German, but the German native spoken German and the French native spoken French. I got it all in subtitles, but they understood each other perfectly. Right. I'm kind of like, that would be kind of cool. I did like that the uh, subtitles were broken English. So these guys, uh, uh, I've already forgotten the names I gave you. Phil Lord and, and Christopher, Christopher Miller, Miller um, are known most recently for directing 21 Jump Street and, or, and 23 Jump Street, the Jump Street series. And the Lego movie. Well, it's understandable how they would make the jump to yes. this. Um, it's it is it, it, well because we're trying to infuse it with new this and new that. But here's the thing: they had a script by Lawrence Kasdan and Jonathan Kasdan, I think his son, mm-hmm. Lawrence Kas Lawrence Kasdan being Star Wars royalty. Yeah, and they are known they are known for improvisation on their sets. And in all likely, in all likelihood, they were tonally going is my understanding. They were tonally going more for, more for like a, a Deadpool type vibe, hmm. a, a much funnier sort of, or even a, you could even say an Indiana Jones type, where it's just generally lighter, or more tongue in cheek, more tongue in cheek, more jokes yeah. than was necessarily scripted. And somebody in a, in, a, in my car. Uh, a passenger I was driving, I think just yesterday, said that Lawrence Kasdan had been sent over to England to kind of um, monitor what was going on at one point. And they did not want, he was not welcome on the set, and that became an issue, and they became fired. Oh, interesting. Kasdan yeah. only wrote Empire, right? Am I, uh, am I forgetting another, more involvement on his part in the series? I feel like it's more than that. Uh, here we go. Well, but just also, I mean, he has written a couple of movies that were pretty good. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm. I'm in no, no way disparaging Kasdan oh, okay. or 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 denigrating his involvement with this. You're just I was just curious. No, no, you know I, I only remembered him from having written Empire. I couldn't remember That's, if he had written any of the others. That was. Uh, all. That is entirely fair. And I think that I was slopping over. Um, he's got Star Wars Empire screenplay, Empire Strikes Back. He's got screenplay on Return of the Jedi. Aha, uh-huh, okay. And then he's he's all up, and he's got Star Wars Shadow of the Empire, which is a video game that I adored. He's got story on that. On which, um, I'm sorry? Something, uh, it's a video game called Star Wars Shadow of the Empire hmm. that came out in 1996 and... 
was a big bonding thing with me and a friend, but more importantly with me and my sons. And then he's got uh, Force Awakens written by. Oh, how did I forget that? And, oh, he was uncredited on the Lego movie. Oh, for the character Lando Calrissian. Not for any writing he did on it. But then he's all he's also got a ton of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So uh, I yes, just mean, that is correct. Yeah, I just mean that he's 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 whatever. He's from that world. I'm saying I wouldn't have people ad living. Is what I'm saying. If, if, right, if you've got a script by him, it's yeah, it's kind of presumptuous of them that. to even try it. Right. Frankly, agreed. Especially after three stinkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure that those are Hall of Fame comedies. Uh, yeah, uh, none of them. None of them should empower anyone to think that they can just go with instinct and it's going to work out right, great. Right. Well, the Lego. The, uh, listen, the Lego Movie is leagues beyond the uh, the Jump Street movies, but they have other things they've done as well. But those are the most notable commercial successes, uh, for lack of anything else. Um, I did have one more sort of area I wanted to touch on. I got Clint Howard out of my system. <laughs> hmm. Got my b- bitterness over Clint Howard. And not that there's anything wrong with him, really, but there's also not that much. No, no, there's nothing wrong with him. It's just the fact that he's there. <laughs> just, it just took me out of it somehow. I don't, I don't know why that... I think it's unfair of me to think that, but... No, it's understandable. Okay, I, mean, so... I felt the exact same way when Joan Rivers showed up in Spaceballs. Ah, <laughs> uh, touche. Yes, yes. Or anything. Okay, so one thing that somebody had said to me uh, in the car, actually the same guy, I think, had, had likened the movie to having Western, like as in Hollywood, you know, out West Western. Okay, the genre. Elements. Uh, yeah, the Western genre, thank you. Other than the train, I can't think of what that would be. There's no sort of, you know, two guys drawing on one another. There's, you know, not any more than there would be otherwise. With that train sequence, certainly people have robbed trains in westerns, so there's that. Did you uh, did you get but... Snowpiercer flashback? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there's a new version of it coming out. Uh... A reboot? No, I, I, I don't know how... I've heard... Look, the elevator pitch must have been it's, it's, no, it's Snowpiercer in, in, a, in a, uh, an office building. It's called, it's called Skyscraper. And it's, oh, yeah, it's yeah. It was Jane, the, Jane, Dwayne, not Jane the Rock Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Right. Working his way up the building. I, I don't know. I guess at the penthouse, the person is rich or whatever, but... I will definitely be avoiding that, unless you yeah. think we should see it just to see. Well, you know, speaking of avoiding, we do have a yes. we do have the summer season fast upon us. We do, we do. I have one more thing I want to bring up to you here, which okay. I think you might find interesting about this about this movie. Now, I'll tell the audience that I saw it twice. I had seen it such a while back that I I wanted to refresh, so we went out and saw it yesterday. And one thing I kept watching while I was watching it was, who was this movie made for? Because I don't feel like it was made for me, and I'm one of the prime demographics being interested in the original Star Wars movie and the one, you know, and the backstory to that. And I started thinking about, like, a, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old today who maybe hasn't seen any other Star Wars movie being introduced to Star Wars by watching this film. 
And that just that just seemed like an interesting idea to me. And then I wondered about I was going to go home and Google. I didn't haven't done it yet, but to list the scar the Star Wars stories in chronological order within the universe. I think this would come somewhere between episodes two and three or episode one and two. Uh, no, no, no. It would be probably two and three or something like that. In any case, I just thought it might be interesting for someone who, who was new to the series to start watching it with this one, then watching Rogue One, then watching episode four. Yeah. It just might, might be interesting because I wondered, I know how it feels to watch them set these things in place, but how much meaning does that gun have if you haven't seen the other movies well meaning to the yeah you know well, i didn't i didn't catch that he was getting the soon-to-be legendary well, <laughs> han solo pistol but uh that's true all right so you you're my 10 year old um and you did not necessarily care for it but here's the thought i had while watching it the first time a little bit and then it it, it set in harder the second time if you strip away the space and the lasers and the you know um special magic fuel or whatever it's just a mineral mm-hmm. this this could have been a movie from from the early 1940s that was like a casablanca or a to have or have not where there's this rogue and he gets involved with a, a woman whose alliances you're not really sure where they fall and and you trade in the the bad guys essentially yeah. for Nazis, and you trade in those other people for the uh, the resistance. You know that you think they're bad, but it turns out they're resistance, sort of a thing. And I went, I wonder if that's not where Lawrence Kasdan was. Oh, absolutely. Of this. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I would, I would, I would not hesitate to give him credit for yeah. that. And so that even that ending in the nineteen in a nineteen forty two movie, that ending where she basically. You can look at her action and go, oh, she betrayed him. But you can also look at her action when she turns to Darth Maul and says, all right, let's get, you know, here's what happened. Everybody's dead and there was nobody helping. And he says, well, you come here. We've got work to do and we can talk about who helped and who didn't. She's she's not betraying Han. She's saving saving him. him. I was thinking that I, I was and thinking the, that. It, yeah. But unfortunately, he doesn't realize it. He just sees the right. ship going off. Yes. But that's part of like what in a 40s movie, that would be part of it. It wouldn't be that they were setting up a sequel, which is what you know they're doing now. Right. It would, it would be played in such a way that you would go, oh, that's a satisfying conclusion for her character. Now we know she really always did care for him. Right. And then we could just live with that being the resolution that he never knew doesn't matter. That, you know, what happened next doesn't matter. But just that. Oh, I see. She did love him all along. It, they don't quite shoot it right. They don't quite play it right. But for that part of it, they may not have really wanted people to recognize it. But I kept like the second time through, I kept going, oh, my God, if that was Lauren Bacall or, oh, my God, if that was Ingrid Bergman playing the, you know, yeah. the girlfriend. And then I was like, well, who would, who would the guy be? But I don't have a working knowledge of guys, you know, from the 40s. Now, let me ask you I a question. Maybe Errol, Errol Flynn, maybe. Now, let me ask you a question. So when when she has that little exchange with Darth Maul, and he says, we're going to be working very closely together. Did you... (laughs) (laughs) Was it just me? Or was that kind of implying... uh, Sexy time? Was that like, yeah, was that like a little creepy in a sexual kind of way? Or... Um, Well, I... 
here's the thing. Uh, there's two things here. I think I th- I think that line is there so that we understand that she is supposedly like fully in league with him. It's. It, I think we're supposed to be like. We're. I think when we see that scene, we're supposed to think, "Oh, she's betraying Han," because I think plenty of people read it that way. Okay. And so, if that guy is super familiar with her, and he's saying, "Yeah, we're going to work together," now, in all fairness to Darth Maul, I think almost everything he says is really creepy. Well, yes, <laughs> and, I know, but there was just something about that line. Like every I time understand. we hear it in another movie, it's usually implicit of yes. But it's also usually not said on the video phone, but said, you know, in person. But here's the other thing I know that I that I do know that I don't think you know, which is that this movie definitely does take place after episode one. Did you see episode one? Nope. You never saw it? Nope. Never that's, saw one, two, the, or three. That's, that's the film that introduces Darth Maul to the world. And in it, he fights Obi-Wan Kenobi and is... Uh, loses very badly to Obi-Wan Kenobi in such a way as I don't think he's making any promises about what he's going to do with his nether region. Gotcha. So even if he really, even if he really was interested in, uh, in Kira, uh, which (laughs) I hate that name for a bunch of different reasons, but one of us is just sounds like she should be queen of the jungle. Yeah. Kira, Queen of the Jungle. Anyway, so that was my big idea, and it seems like you were already all the way there, or most of the way there, was just that sort of 1940s, you know... Swashbuckling. uh, Yeah, swashbuckling type thing. Exactly, exactly. A spy thriller, you know, romance, bundled all together um, with World War II as the backdrop. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about this summer slate. I am... I am quite puzzled as to what it is you might be interested in seeing this summer, and so I am... As am I. Um, <laughs> well, Skyscraper was not one of them. That is... Right. That's fair enough. Um, the, the, what I'm... Well, you know, I, I've heard this something called Jurassic World. Why? <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, okay, Jurassic World, obviously. Jurassic um, World. I had, to, right. I had to shield my eyes during a American Ninja Warrior last night because they were showing too fucking many <laughs> clips from the movie. Right. Uh, I'm looking forward to The Incredibles Part 2. Yes, good. And oh, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm not looking forward to. In the no way could you pay me category <laughs> yes. would be this John Gotti movie with... Uh, oh, John Travolta. Uh, Revolta, yeah. There's no way. Yeah, oh my God. Yes, that looks terrible. I actually am not too keen on the Sicario sequel either. Really? Oh, damn it. I mean, I'll probably see it, but I'm just not looking right. forward to it. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got a fair, uh, my fair share of those in here as well. Certainly. Wait, wait, when, uh, when did you run some down for us? All right, I'll run some down for you. Ocean's 8 in theaters tonight. Could tomorrow. not pay me. Okay. Well, I won't try to force you then. But uh, I'll definitely be there. I know Doreen and I are interested in seeing Adrift, which is in theaters now. Uh, I thought it might make a might make a companion piece to our 
you know, in the shallows or, you know, some of these hmm. other water-related things we've done. It's Shailene Woodley and an actor named Sam Claflin, hmm. who I don't really know. And then whoever else is immaterial, they're just, you know, characters that show up. Sorry, hold on. Um, I'm resetting here. I have my list in front of me. I promise. So, there's uh, a Incredibles two. Incredibles two is definitely. What were you going to ask? There's a there's a Mission Impossible coming out. I'm sure you're going to. That's see that. right. Mission Impossible. I, I thought we should see Sicario Day of the of the Soldado. Okay. Uh, all right. We to, will. We will. To, to I, I just, I just said I'm one. not into. I'm just said I'm not right, into it. I but I'll see it. Understood. Oh, what about the Melissa McCartney thought... puppet movie? What's it called? Yeah. Good question. I don't know. I just. Uh, untitled Melissa McCarthy Puppet Project. <laughs> well, if they release it, if they release it under that name, then more power to them. I will look it up and see. But I didn't realize that she had one. I'm not interested in Ant Man and the Wasp, and I'm not interested in any other superhero stuff. But I know there's some that I'm going to get dragged to along the way. I w- I'd like to see Christopher Robin. Ewan McGregor is what's his name? I want to see the comedy The Spy Who Dumped Me. I like the title. Yeah, Mila Mila Kunis and uh, Kate Kate McKinnon. McKinnon. Yeah, yeah. That that that's got um, that's got potential. There you go. There's a movie coming up called I don't even know how to pronounce it. Black Klansman. Black Klansman. Yeah, extra, I really want to see with that. With an extra K, with KKK. So that was on my list. I thought you and I might go back to the old model of just seeing a a giant, you know turd and see the meg which is a giant shark movie sure or a shark dinosaur type movie hey and speaking of which did you ever end up seeing in the heart of the sea the ron howard movie about the story that inspired moby dick (laughs) yes yes i was like speaking of ron howard yeah i did and why (laughs) oh i just thought it was uh it's been a while you saw it recently no i haven't seen it yet Oh, okay. Well, I would say you could you could skip it, but I can't remember. It's it would be unfair of me to say more than I didn't really enjoy it. Okay. That much. So you you would, a, you would you would recommend I not see it, but you can't remember why. Yes, uh, okay. that is true because one of the few things it had going for it was the big screen part of it. Right. And you are not uh, going to get the big screen part of it anymore. No. Okay, so after Life of the Party for Melissa McCarthy, I see Can You Forgive Me, which is a drama coming out in October that I do want to see, where she's playing a real-life story of somebody who forged some... Like, you know how you have personal letters between one author and another author, or an author and the person they love dearly? Mm-hmm. She, she ended up She ended up forging some letters, and, and hilarity ensued. No, there's no hilarity. It's just... A drama. There's something called something she's in called the Happy Time Murders. Does that have puppets in it? It does. That's it. Oh my God, that's disturbing. I'm surprised you hadn't heard about it because children TV. Yeah, there was a whole thing with the Sesame Street people having issues with it. Oh my God, that sounds really wonderful. Although her face in the poster looks extremely bizarre. Like she's gone through a windshield. So I don't understand that. Well, I would say that they they might have a complaint. The poster I'm looking at says, No Sesame, All Street. Yes. 
So even referencing Sesame Street in that way would, would it's troublesome. draw, I would imagine. Yeah, Melissa McCarthy, Elizabeth Banks, Maya Rudolph, fuck, I'm in. Okay. Yes. It says summer. Uh, so it's it says summer 2018. So I guess... Presumably coming. Has no release date that I can see. And then she's got something called Super Intelligence and something called the Bureau of Otherworldly Operations, which all, you know, all sound fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I'll go. Definitely, I'll see the Melissa McCarthy puppet, puppet movie. Um, I think I'm not sure I had really anything else that was going to fall. Oh, they're doing a remake of Papillon. Really? Which I thought might be interesting to, to do like we did with this Seven Samurai and talk about both. Okay. But let's see. It's all it's all going to be people we don't know. No, that's not true. It's Rami Malek. You would probably know him. No. Do you? Huh, you don't. He's in a show called Mr. Robot. He's playing. He's he's starring in the Queen biopic that's coming out. Okay. As as Queen. As Freddie Mercury, the Queen. As Freddie Mercury, yes. And a, an actor named Charlie. Hunam is in it, who was in a TV shows and done some movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so they're both solid actors. It's not it's not McQueen and, and Hoffman, but it, I think it might be worth... Uh, All right. That's the, end of, that's the end of August. What about the Johnny English sequel? <laughs> Good old Mr. Bean. Rowan Atkinson is a national treasure for all nations, but I think I'm going to skip it. Ah. Now, if it was a Mr. Bean 2 or Mr. Bean 3 or whatever, that would be something else. He financed that thing himself, and he became like a hundred millionaire because he owned all of Mr. Bean, the movie. Good for him. Is my understanding. So, anyway, that's that's where we stand. Let's do a quick wrap-up on Solo. Well, uh, it sounds like the, the, the 12-year-olds will be very satisfied. I thought it was fine. I thought it was it was engaging enough while I was watching it, but it there is nothing about it that would propel me to see it again. Mm, yes, uh, honestly, I was not relishing the idea of seeing it a second time for the sake of like all the things I missed. But I did, I did rather enjoy it for being able to not on the second viewing pay attention to the story and look at things in the background and have other unrelated thoughts while I was watching. But generally speaking, I think I liked it a little bit more than you uh, and, and do recommend it, particularly if you want to see it with a group or in a crowded theater or something like that. Good luck trying finding a crowded theater with this movie at this point. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it will be interesting to me to see if they make the sequel they seem to be implying where Han goes to Tatooine and presumably gets involved with uh, Jabba the Hutt and where she goes off with, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Darth Maul. My kids got very excited about an idea that was sort of almost like the Cornetto trilogy. I think you know what that is. No. Uh, si Simon Pegg. It's, it's Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz, oh, okay. and World's End. Okay, yeah, They're yeah, all yeah. connected, they're just connected by the ice cream. Uh, so they're they're essentially loosely or non-connected trilogies. And my kids were like, they're supposed to be a Boba Fett, but Boba Fett should work for Darth Maul, and then you can find out the continuation of you know Amelia Clark's story. Yeah, that way. And then he's like, and then Boba, if they're supposed to be a Boba Fett, not Boba Fett, there's Boba Fett and Obi Wan movie, which I would 
absolutely love to see you and McGregor come back and give us some of what Obi-Wan was doing during the 17 years he was on Tatooine waiting for Luke to get old enough to do something. Yeah. Um, and presumably what happens in Star Wars, you know, universe lore is that he refights Darth Maul. And so you could end up having essentially a, a, a trilogy that wasn't like 100% up your, you know, down your throat kind of connected, connective tissues. Right. That you could, you could tell a bunch of different stories about these same characters off in different corners of the universe, establishing their backstories and, and eventually killing off Amelia Clark somehow. Question for you. Yes. Do you think all these little side stories will detract from the impact of episode nine? Ooh, I thought you were just going to say in general to detract from the impact of the franchise. I'm going to answer the question you didn't ask first by saying, I think what detracts from the franchise is episodes one through three. Okay. There's, there's no way these stories can do more harm than those did. Um, and I strongly believe that with J.J. Abrams back at the helm, he will do whatever tonal course correction needs to happen. Do you think they will extend the story path? Do you think they'll do a chapter 10? No, I don't. I think it will end. Because I, they've, the, Ryan Johnson has been bequeathed a trilogy of his own. Aha. Uh-huh. They were so happy with how he acted as director and whatever he did with the, whatever direction he took the thing and that everyone hates so much. They, they, their idea was, oh, well, let's have him do more. So, which is entirely possible that he could have a trilogy in him that I would absolutely love because it wasn't related to the other things I already, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, I like him. Looper was, he's Looper, right? Yes. Um, so there's definitely stuff he's done that I really like a lot. And it was just a, a swing and a miss here for me. All right. Well, All right. we will have to wait. Well, for now and until next time, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank you for joining us. For now and until then, the doctors are out. A reboot?